Um, but uh, uh, I, am, I am glad to do it. And we do live in a time right now that is crazy. Uh, right now, there, we've never been in a time that has been more divided, more anxiety, more fear, change happening so fast that you can't keep up with it, and uh, everything bombarding us uh, everywhere, and what's happening in various places around the world is creeping into our life here, right here in uh, the Roaring Fork Valley. I just watched this uh, uh, HBO documentary on, on Friday night, uh, A World in Disarray in Syria and Russia, China, and uh, North Korea, what's happening there is actually filtering back into our safe little place and affecting how things uh, operate or don't operate. And so uh, we live in a time right now of huge turmoil, huge turmoil. Thomas Paine said, this is the time that tries men's souls. And the fact is, this is a time uh, where even here, right in this valley, uh, out there is starting to creep into here, and the anxiety level that we have is huge. And, and so uh, Jesus, we're in Luke 21, it just serves up, it just comes, you know. And, and now here we are, this message right here in Luke 21 is about that actually, and uh, about what happens in the end, and the end of the world. Jesus is even talking about that. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, this is one of the most confusing subjects you could ever talk about, right? You're either in the room with like a PhD in eschatology, and know uh, and how to discuss pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, pre-wrath, amillennialism, pre-millennialism, and when these sequence of events happen, and all these, uh, all these things, or you're on the other side going, don't talk about that. I don't want to hear anything about that, uh, because that is not a fun subject. I can tell you, uh, I don't know where you get your advice on this subject, but I'm, uh, drive, I go fishing over at the Green River uh, in April, and on the way back from uh, the Green River, from the stretch uh, through um, Bernal, then through Rangeley, there's a reservoir on the left, I forget what that's called, Tameker. <clears throat> on the, the reservoir's on the left, you're on the highway, and on the right is a large uh, rock face. And on the, you know what I'm talking about? Have you seen it? Uh, it's, I, I just got a kick out of this. Somebody, uh, years ago, Wanted, they had one shot at one message they could give you in their graffiti message on the rock. If you were going to get on, you've seen it, uh, wh- one thing you're going to say on, on, on the rock when you go up there and deface the rock and all that, Jesus is coming. Massive white letters spent all this time. And the funny thing is, Jesus is coming. And uh, they got Jesus right. The is they got right. But they spelled coming C-O-M-M-I-N-G. <laughs> and, as I, and as I go by that, I'm thinking, how long does it take to paint painstakingly? It was a good paint job, really. I mean, uh, if you're an environmentalist, you don't like that they're defacing the rock with Jesus is coming. So that was years ago, and I drive by, and I laugh every time I go by. This year, I drove by, and it has been refreshed with new white paint. I mean, new white paint. He didn't even have a friend, or she didn't even have a friend who said, you know what? You didn't spell that right. (laughs) Or you had a friend who said, you didn't spell that right, and went, I don't care, Jesus is coming. I don't know, but uh, I'm thinking to myself, okay, the source of information around this subject, I'm not going to Rangeley to find out who wrote that up there, I don't think. They probably don't have something to tell me. Where do you find information about this? I gotta tell you, when I became a Christian when I was 18 years old, 
um, the people that I was uh, moving around with were really into this subject. And uh, they hand me Hal Lindsey's book, Late Great Planet Earth, and uh, another book called When Your Money Fails. And I read that book. <laughs> I was scared to death. I thought, you know, I'm going to get a... That was back when barcodes were coming out. Barcodes were, like, going to be the mark of the beast back then. Everybody's going to have a barcode on their forehead. And, uh, uh, you know, I mean, we've long passed the barcode thing. I don't know. Maybe we're even past chips. I don't know. But, uh, oh, I was so scared, honestly, that Jesus is going to come back. And, uh, or that he won't. I don't know. But I, I don't know what, where you're at on the continuum of end time stuff, eschatology, the study of the eschaton, the end times. Uh, but uh, Jesus doesn't give us any choice. If we're actually going to go through Luke, take it as it comes. Well, Luke 21 comes up here, and Jesus has a discussion around this. And uh, I think, uh, in fact, uh, I think it's hard. Matter of fact, I did a sermon on, not on Luke 21, but about eight or nine years ago, I'm absolutely certain it was completely forgotten, I hope, because it was basically terrible. Because um, I, th- well, I was thinking to myself, you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to teach um, about the sequence of events because I think the church uh, has primarily got that wrong, and that, as things unfold in the future, if we didn't have that right, that could be devastating. So I gave that message about uh, how I thought the sequence of events are. I still think it's that way. But uh, everybody was just going, huh? What are you talking about? I completely missed it. And uh, this is hard. I'm not going to tell you. I was not literally looking forward to this. but as I've been in it, I've been challenged. And what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to read you this, uh, this whole section here just so you can get the scope of what Jesus is saying. And I'm hoping that you're messed up after, you, after we go through it. Um, if, in your Bible there, in your uh, sermon study Bible, or I mean uh, ministry center Bible, whatever we want to call that, 734, page 734. If you want to follow along, it's hopefully going to be up there too. <clears throat> So, this is right after, two weeks ago we talked about that lady put her two cents in, and this is what happens right after that. And it's very small print. So, some of the disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, as for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Teacher, they asked, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are about to take place? And he replied, Watch out that you are not deceived, for many will come in my name, claiming, I am he, and the time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and uprisings, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. Then he said to them, That's like the summary, and then he goes on. He says, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines, and pestilences in various places and fearful events and great signs from heaven. But before this, before all this, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and put you in prison, and you will be uh, brought before kings and governors and all on account of my name, and you will bear testimony to me. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you'll defend yourselves. For I'll give you words and wisdom that uh, none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You'll be betrayed even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. Everyone Everyone will hate you because of me, but not a hair of your head will perish. Stand firm and you will win life. When you you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, you'll know that the desolation is near, that 
Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those in the city get out. And let those in the country not enter the city. For this is the time of punishment and fulfillment of all that has been written. How dreadful it will be for those in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. There will be great distress in the land and wrath against his people. They will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners to all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Okay, verse 25. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars on the earth. Nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told them a parable, look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing drunkenness and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come on all of those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Wow. That's your answer, Jesus, to the question about when will this happen? I wanted to read you the whole thing, uh, which was four minutes, by the way. Um, because I think it's worth it to get the scope of what Jesus is talking about. Now, I don't, for a minute, think that we just read, matter of fact, when I'm reading that, I'm, I'm hoping this gets over quick, even. I've read this like 20 times, and I'm sitting there thinking, oh, this is hard. This is hard, you know, this is gonna, I'm going to have to circle back around someday and really do an academic study on this. But Jesus said all that in one shot. That was his answer, all in one shot to his disciples. So what I want to do is, uh, you know what, for those of you who are looking for, uh, unlike Dan, I do not know the time and the day. I'm not going to tell you that today. Um, Matter of fact, uh, I am not going to even go through too much of the sequence of events. What I would like to do, just give you a quick summary of, of what he's saying in whole, and then just two things I think you need to take away. First of all, these disciples, they're walking right after the lady put her two cents in. They're walking and they're looking around at the temple. And there are, it's, it's a beautiful thing, a huge institution, the center of all Jewish life, religious and social life. And it's beautiful. The stones, the marble, the columns are 40 feet high. People have given gifts, and uh, it's been turned into gold ornamentation everywhere around the temple. And so as they are uh, walking through and looking at it, they're talking amongst themselves. This place is incredible. And Jesus, they didn't ask the question then, Jesus said, yeah, this place is going to be torn down. There won't be a single stone left standing, which is just crazy to think of. Crazy to think of. And by the way, if what he did when he cleaned out the temple uh, two weeks ago, two days ago in the scripture, uh, he was saying there is a new temple now. And now this temple does not represent, this big temple you're walking through does not represent all that it's supposed to and the security that it's supposed to. Uh, And and in fact, that is found in me. And it's all going to come down. 
You would ask the, the, the question too, wouldn't you? You would just naturally ask the question like they did. When's that going to happen? How are we going to know that's going to happen? Jesus, in his like usual fashion, doesn't answer it directly. He says, watch out that you're not deceived because many are going to come saying they're me. And many are going to come and say they know when it's going to happen. Here these guys are listening to this and they don't even know he's going to die in two days. They haven't figured that out. They don't know he's going to die in two days. They haven't figured it out yet. Then three days later he's going to be resurrected. And then for 40 days he's going to walk the earth. And then he's going to be taken into heaven and the Holy Spirit's going to come. And then he's not going to be here. And Jesus is speaking prophetically into the future about what's going to happen. He's not going to be here. On out into the future. He physically is not going to be here until a point in time. Right? You can see it right there. And they would be going, aha, later. It would kind of click a little bit uh, later. Well, what's going to happen in the meantime? Some tough stuff's going to happen. Don't be deceived uh, by anybody who's saying it or me or that they know when. A lot's going to happen first before the end will come. Nation is going to rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There's going to be pestilence. There's going to be uh, uh, earthquakes. But before that happens, that's something in the future still, further out. Before that happens, <clears throat> they're going to uh, seize you, it says, and persecute you. And they're going to hand you over to synagogues and rulers. Don't worry about what you're going to say there. Uh, I'll give you what you need to say, and I'll give you words of wisdom, uh, and you'll have what you need, and you'll be a testimony for me there. You'll get to tell your story there when that happens. But it's still going to be hard because uh, you know what? Fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters, relatives, uh, they'll betray you in that time. <sighs> but stand firm. Don't be afraid. Don't lose faith. And then he goes in, he's talking obviously about something that's out there in the future. Then he jumps back and starts talking about Jerusalem, which is a little ways out into the future, right? And says, uh, when, you, uh, when you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, it's 33 AD right here, right? In 70 AD, it is surrounded by armies. And the whole thing is torn down by the Romans. Every last stone. Some of the people who are hearing these exact words are going to remember and see that it happened exactly like he said. Wow. So there's this event in the sort of, I mean, 27 years is a lot for us, but not in the overall timeline. So he was talking about events out there in the future. Then he comes back to Jerusalem, tie that loose end up by how are these stones going to fall. And then he goes back to, in 25, I think this is really significant here. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, uh, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. There's going to be this big cosmic disturbance uh, shaken. And at that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and glory. <clears throat> Did you know you actually believe this stuff? I mean, if you're part of this whole thing, you actually believe he's coming back? I don't know how you, uh, th- if you think about that very often, if it's on top of mind awareness, or maybe someday, I guess it's all going to pan out anyway in the end, uh, and we'll just see what happens. But do you believe he's coming back? Actually, if you believe he came in the first place, 
If you can believe that he came and was incarnated, God in the flesh, who lived and dwelt among us, and then died for you in our sins, you don't have any trouble believing that he's coming back again. Even though we don't talk about it very much. Because it's kind of hard to talk about because it gets so confusing. But what we're talking about right here, this, there's a technical term for this uh, in 25. It's called the day of the Lord. Isaiah talks about it. Joel talks about it. <clears throat> Matthew 24 talks about it. It's in 1 Thessalonians. Revelation is all about it. This big time event where, where it's not just a single day. It's a sequence of events uh, where Jesus comes back in all his glory and power. It says in Matthew that he gathers his elect amongst himself and then he takes them and then he makes things right and sets up his reign and his kingdom to be on earth as it should be. Woo! Did you know that's what the Bible says is going to happen? And uh, in the context here, we have this jump back to Jerusalem, but as he's talking about this tough stuff, this, this tribulation kind of stuff here about they're going to seize you and all of that, <clears throat> uh, it looks like that's a future event. And of course, it, it's happening and it will happen. It happened in Acts chapter, uh, what is it, 11, where Stephen gets stoned. Five, I think. Somebody will help me with that. Um, and he gets persecuted and he would go, oh God. And all the way down through time, people who follow Jesus have been persecuted. So my question as I was working on this is what does a Jesus follower in the Roaring Fork Valley do with this? You know, I mean, if you're in Aleppo right now, if you're still there, or in Iraq, <clears throat> you are praying, Jesus, come. You are looking at the scripture and going, Look at what it says. I want that. Come, Jesus. Come in your power. Come make this right. There are places around the world right now where uh, believers are living out that top part that I just read there. They're living it out right now. And they would tell you, they called me in front of the authorities. I didn't know what I was going to say. But I gave testimony. And something still bad happened. And they would say, come right now. But in, but in this valley, right now, what do you do uh, with, with this? I was, I've been wrestling with that. Matter of fact, I was sitting on the river Thursday. Uh, it was the most beautiful day, sitting in a drift boat, catching large rainbows, thinking about this sermon, trying to sync up this hyper-recreational situation with the reality of what Jesus says about the future. And my first pass was, oh God, I hope this never stops for me. <laughs> hope I get to do this every so often continually. Don't let, don't, let, don't let anybody take this from me. Oh, that's not quite what it's saying, is it? No. How do you reconcile being a Jesus follower with these end time events well, I, I think, uh, for me, the reason I was think, stewing that over that in the, in the boat was, Lord, how, how do I be fully engaged with you, enjoying everything you've provided, um, being fully alive, and at the same time with the or the recognizing that you are the God of history and history is unfolding that our own personal Jesus and our own personal experience 
isn't the end of this whole thing. That Jesus is the Lord of history and the future also. Most of us, uh, i got to be careful as I'm sitting in the boat enjoying fishing, that I'm not enjoying my own personal Jesus who provided this thing for me. Well, why didn't you provide that for the people over in Aleppo? What is it about me? I'm just blessed that I get to do this. Something better about me because I get to do this. You ever ask yourself that question? And, and, and how, does this, how does this sync up? I, I got to tell you, uh, <clears throat> to think about the fact that you and I are in a sequence of history and, and the future is going to unfold as Jesus said it's going to happen ought to be a little bit disruptive to how we live in the present. That's what I'm trying to say. It ought to be a little disruptive to the way I think. I was a history major in college, and I, I got to tell you that when I, when I got out, I was basically fr- very afraid because all I did was study the big events, and there's a couple huge events in every century that completely disrupted people's lives, that were completely disruptive. If you were in Europe in the 1940s, you know what I'm talking about. Completely disrupted. Like walking in the temple, this great place of security, and realizing it's all going to come down at some point. It's all going to come down. The number one value system that we have in our, in our country right now, and certainly in our, value, in our valley, is personal peace and affluence. I need personal peace. Don't need anybody to disrupt that. And don't take away from me my stuff. That needs to be challenged by the reality that the world is moving on a crash course to these events. I can't tell you if it's uh, tomorrow. I think they were asking, uh, you know, we weren't really looking for an answer like you gave Jesus. We were looking for an answer. It was like May 22nd you know, 2018, and then how can I know it's coming so I can, you know, do what I'm doing and then change just in the nick of time? Wouldn't that be great? Like Bugs Bunny used to fall in that that house, falling towards the ground, and he just jumps out at the last minute, and he's fine. No, that's not how it works. There's something about this where we live in light of it. We live in light of the fact that history is unfolding. That changes everything. Now, instead of it just happening to us, we will be his witnesses. It may be in something small. I don't know how to compare it to Aleppo, but to be honest with you, I do know we're supposed to identify with those people. We're supposed to be praying for them. I don't know how you deal with this. I don't know whether you put your head in the sand or you turn into such a scared spaz that you run off a cliff. Let me show you what that looks like. I found a commercial that just is perfect for that. Nope, go back to the beginning. There you go. Nope. Let's go back to the... There you go. I love that. Guys, head's in the sand. What are you going to tell somebody with their head in your sand? In the sand. Get your head out of the sand. 
and run off a cliff. I think that's what we do in this subject right now. Okay, if this is true, that this stuff's really coming about, um, <clears throat> you can put your head in the sand, act like it's not going to happen. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't do that because it's going to come on you like it without you even knowing. He said that directly. Or you can get up and he says all through this portion of scripture, don't fear, don't fear, don't be afraid. He's been saying that for 20 chapters, by the way. Or actually 16 chapters. He's been saying, don't be afraid. I don't even think you can understand how to interpret chapter 21 unless you've walked through the previous chapters to see who he really is, to see what he really said, to see back in chapter 4 when he says, I have come to, to release the captives, to give sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, and declare the day of the Lord. That's why he came, and then he walks through. You need to know that he has got history under control. When he makes these statements, if you just go to this chapter right here, it's going to freak out. But if you get the whole progression of it, you're going to see that this fits. This fits. I think that's the first thing you've got to do. You've got to recognize, get your head out of the sand and recognize that we live in a world where things are unfolding. And I've got to tell you, I hope Jesus is in control. I hope Jesus has this figured out. Don't you? And I've got to tell you that if you're not even concerned about that at all right now, someday you will be. I think. Now why, this is the second thing I wanted to tell you, why would Jesus say such things? Who was he talking to? You know, it sounds like he might be talking to all oh, those religious leaders, because well, it's kind of harsh. He's talking to his disciples. His disciples ask this question. When Jesus talks to his disciples, how does he talk? Was he trying to scare them? Was he trying to make them afraid? When you read these, uh, or hear these words, what do you, how do you respond? Does it bring fear? Like, oh man, I don't want that to happen. That would really be bad. That my life would change. Everything would be bad. Or, or do you like stick your head in the sand? I don't want to think about that because only scholars get to know about that. And they're off in ivory towers and they're doing their thing. Um, but how do you respond? Does it make you afraid? Or does it give you faith? Because I'm pretty sure everything he says to you is a love letter to you. I believe everything he's saying, even words like this, which are hard, he's saying to you because he loves you. Now, some things are hard, right? Let's say you're sick and you have a diagnosis. You can ignore that diagnosis, but when somebody tells you the truth and then walks with you in it, uh, that's better, isn't it? Wouldn't you want to know how it really unfolds? I think he said these things for you to be strong, for you to have faith, because you have to walk through these things with faith. Faith is the opposite of fear. He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of a sound mind. It looks like faith. He said it all through the scripture. Everything he said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. If I'd have told you this all the way back in chapter 4, you'd have been afraid. But now I'm in 21. We've walked together through all this stuff, and I'm telling you, don't be afraid. I think a person that navigates this world as it is right now with faith and not fear without anxiety, enjoying the things that you have, uh, like the boat, and also being fully present in the reality of what's going on around and the fear and anxiety that people have. I think a person like that is a world changer or has certainly changed the world for somebody. I can tell you that. See, I need to know. I think when, uh, when the lady, right beforehand, took those two cents, 
and put those in the uh, offering? I told you two weeks ago, that was a desperation move. Saying, God, here's all I have. I need you to be in control. And then the next thing Luke represents is this discussion about the big picture. The big picture. And it's the same thing. He is in control. He's in control for you in that, in that two cents situation. And he's in control of how things unfold in the big picture. That is good news. Now, I don't know how you personally navigate this stuff. I don't know how it lands with you. Going back to Luke, I told you there was three parables you need to know. The soils, the Samaritan, and the prodigal. The soils. I don't know, when you hear these words that we've just read here, these are Jesus' words. How does it land in your heart? Does it land in a way, well, I don't know about that, and, you, and it's just kind of, you sh- you've got it shrugged off by the time you get out to the sign? That would be shallow soil, where it landed and it was stolen away and it didn't germinate. Or I don't know, maybe it lands and goes, you know what, I've been, I don't like this subject, I don't watch the news, I, don't care. I just can't even embrace anything that's happening, it's too much for me, overload, and these words fall into uh, like weeds and the worries of the world and it gets choked out. I don't know. Back to the soils. It may fall. My prayer is that, uh, that these words that Jesus has, that he has the future, and you're secure in it, even though it could be very difficult. He's got you. If that lands in your heart and, it, and your faith increases, you're good soil. You're good soil. And my prayer is that we'll be good soil. I don't have that. I just gave you all I got on this right there. I don't got a lot. I don't got a, a lot else, to be honest with you, uh, because I, I'm working myself to figure out how I navigate these things that are out there today, right here, right now. But I don't know about you. When you read the scripture, when you encounter Jesus, what do you do? I hope you turn and you you go palms up and you say, "Lord, this is the prayer. Lord, this truth is heavy." Help me live it out today. Because the question always is when you're studying the scriptures, so what? So what? So you, so you said that. How am I going to be different? How will I move around today? What will my faith look like? What will it look like when I encounter other people? So that's my only challenge to you, honestly. That's my challenge. Is ask that question. Lord, I, I, I can't put, I don't think he's saying to you, you have the opportunity to just scoot the theology to the side and leave that to the scholars. I think he's saying, Jesus follower, will you follow me through anything? Will you follow me no matter what? Will you trust me that I got you? Will you trust me that I'm in control? So when you take communion, all you say is this, I trust you, Lord. Come Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. So, let me pray for you on that. Jesus, you say these prophetic words, and we are obviously so close. 
um, comparatively. Help us uh, live expectantly and confidently. Help us to be like that house that was on the hillside in the video where we live in peace and shalom in the midst of all that's going on in the world. Lord, help us to be a people that are aware and paying attention but not anxious and fearful. Help us to be a people, Lord, who are faithful, filled with faith and hope and love. So, Lord, I pray that we will love you well as we love others well, even in the midst of the circumstances that are going on around us. And here we are, Lord. We live in one of the most affluent places there is. You, we live in one of the most beautiful places there are. And most of us here, Lord, are, are here because we love it here. Um, thank you that we get to be here. Thank you that we get to uh, enjoy this. And I pray, Lord, that you will give us compassion and action steps of how to live here well and support where people are hurting in other places as a result. We want to follow you, Jesus, wherever you lead us. In Jesus' name, amen.